that was a big leadership lesson for me and I wish more people would rely less on you've got 20 years of experience but if somebody is driven and tenacious and passionate a lot of times they'll just figure it out she gave me that chance and that ignited my career real quick note my family and I just got back from an incredible cruise with Uncruise. Now we'd experienced what cruising was like on a big ship with thousands of people. And frankly, it just wasn't for us. But this one was completely different. It was a small boat of less than 100. We had an amazing time where we saw whales and other wildlife, inspiring nature, hiking, kayaking, and bushwhacking, which is hiking without the trails. And we received incredibly personalized service guides who get you off the beaten path and gorgeous sunsets. Everything was so easy and with no lines. They provided incredible meals, including sustainable seafood, not to mention a list of impressive cocktails. My wife, daughter, and I loved it. When we returned, I asked Uncruise to become a show sponsor, and I was excited when they agreed. Right now, they're offering special deals on cruises in Baja, Mexico, and Alaska that includes the incredible luxury, service and adventure that we experience to learn more go to benleads.com slash cruise that's benleads.com slash cruise for the latest deals welcome back to lead the team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer ben fanning on this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lady Team Nation. Welcome back to another great episode. Today, I have for you Casey Marquette, who is CEO and founder of Covenant Technologies, the staffing and recruiting organization. Now, Casey previously served in several top level leadership roles, including Cognizant's Chief Delivery Security Officer, CVS Health's Deputy CISO, and Johnson & Johnson's Director of Security Operations. He's also CEO and founder of a new yet-to-be-announced company, that's right, set to revolutionize cybersecurity through trusted connections. I mean, there's a lot coming. You're going to want to check this episode out today. And also, Casey, before we get going, congrats to you. Year one at your company, Covenant Technologies, bringing over $6 million in revenue. Huge year for you. Congratulations. Ben, thanks a million. Thanks for having me. And big shout out to the Covenant team because clearly that wouldn't have happened without them. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, it, what a splash y'all made. And heck, glad to have you on. Also, shout out to Joe Quinn, who uh, introduced us. And uh, glad uh, he's, he's, he's an alumnus of the show and glad he got us together today. Let's kick this off with what leaders were most critical in your career and what's the difference they made? Yeah, no, great question, Ben. So two people stand out to me. One is Maureen Allison. She was the CISO at Johnson & Johnson for 12 plus years. And then Mike Wagner, who was the C who is the CISO at Kenview. So hmm. just let me tell a short little story. So I was, I was in law enforcement and then I, I started working in physical security at a company called Medco. It was a Fortune 50. So I left law enforcement, got into physical security. Maureen visited me at our pharmacy and she liked me. And so she sent me to computer forensics training. And Ben, I knew nothing about computers. I was a policeman. 
I had done physical security. Hmm. And so she sends me to this computer forensics training. I am in this training with a bunch of IT people. And I know looking back, they were thinking, who is this guy? Please get him out of here. Because I was asking questions. I was determined to hmm. learn. And then I, I took that class, Ben, and I went back and got certified in computer forensics. Then I got my master's in information assurance. I got a bunch of IT cybersecurity certifications because I didn't have the background. But the reason I tell the story is Maureen's a, an incredible leader. Hmm. And when I asked her later in my career, you know, why did you do that? Nobody would have sent someone and paid that kind of money to send somebody to training that expensive you know, with no experience. And she said, I wanted to see what you would do with it. I saw your passion and tenacity. And so that was a big leadership lesson for me. And I wish more people would rely less on you've got 20 years of experience. But if somebody is driven and tenacious and passionate, a lot of times they'll just figure it out. And she gave me that chance and that ignited my career. And Mike Wagner basically did the same thing. He <laughs> threw things at me and said, figure it out. And, um, and I did. What a story. So someone, Maureen took a big bet on you. I mean, she made a place a big bet. And y'all think about that. Law enforcement is a completely different animal than doing computer forensics. And I saw on your profile, right, you did work in the, in the FBI or with the FBI studying for that. That's correct. It's, I went to the FBI CISO Academy. CISO, okay, CISO yes. Academy. So you went, you went, and I want to hear more about that too, uh, but what a leap. So Cohen's going on, you know, what in the world were you doing to demonstrate that tenaciousness? Because that really, that really sets you apart from the pack. Yeah, I think, you know, Ben, for me, it's just extreme focus and extreme action. So I move very quickly. Uh, you know, Tony, I, I, I love the quote, don't let perfection be the enemy of good enough. Mm -hmm. And so I think so many people struggle because they're trying to make things perfect. And so I think the biggest thing is, you know, people that know me know if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. I, I call it my say do ratio. And I tell the team that needs to be nearly a hundred percent, but I take action. And I think Maureen probably saw that. And let's face it, as leaders, you look at people that are going to help you make, make you look good and get stuff done. And so I think that's probably the biggest thing that that she saw in me. Say, do, ratio. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. The promises you make, or even if they're not promises, formally, you're just saying you're going to do something. And what is the percentage, y'all, of you and your team have actually taken action? And if you're leading an organization, you're leading a team, your team's a reflection of you. So by giving them something to hold on to, like say, do, ratio, they know what your expectations are. And uh, that's how people are ultimately going to judge you as a leader. Uh, Absolutely. How, you know, how's your team showing up? Are they the ones doing the work? But gosh, still, what a bet for Marine to take a bet. I was someone in the field or not in the field, but like doing physical law enforcement security and then getting into computers. What was that like for you? Like what, what in you made you believe that you can make that huge leap at that time? Yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, I guess I've always in my career, I've had a, healthy sense of confidence. And <laughs> if a boss ever asked me, Hey, can you do this? I, I never said no. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I will figure it out. And so 
And even taking the leap from, I mean, I was a CISO basically my whole career and I launched a staffing and recruiting company. So same thing, right? I mean, it took yeah. a big risk. That, that doesn't add up, right? Exactly. Law enforcement. Exactly. So you didn't just go to being like running security for a facility, y'all, CISO, deputy CISO, in fact, of uh, CVS. I mean, huge, 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 huge job. And now you're getting into, you're in, you're generated $6 million in staffing and recruiting. First like, year. Yes. So for in year one, why, why did you, why not just stick around doing CISO stuff? Why, why get well, into this space? Honestly, I, I just, lo I love challenge. And frankly, it's why I'm now launching a second business, <laughs> right? I love building things. I love challenge. Okay. And, hmm. and so that's it. It just drives me once I'm, once I feel like things are starting to slow down, I, I, what's my next? I, one of my favorite quotes is, um, to be successful, you got to be willing to be uncomfortable and do mm -hmm. things other people are unwilling to do. And honestly, that helped me with my career. I remember I was literally running a marathon. I was at Johnson & Johnson. I got a work call, and I took a call while I was running a marathon. And I did not want to take that call, but I will tell you, when it rang, I thought, do what other people are not willing to do. So I've done things like that my entire career and it's paid off and I've surrounded myself by great people, great leaders that tell me what to do. I listen and good things have happened. Cool. All right. Take me back to that day of the marathon. Yeah, Where so are you keeping that, your cell phone? First of all, I don't, well, I, I, actually, you may not want to tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> so no, actually, so I had my cell phone, I had my, you know, and I'm tracking my time and okay. I'm right. running the Philadelphia marathon in the, in addition to security operations in Johnson & Johnson, I ran the Global Command Center. So we had command centers in Singapore, Belgium, Raritan, New Jersey. And so basically, I led a team that was responsible when any business critical impacting incident occurred across the 260 operating companies. Mm. I mean, something really bad is going on and we're losing a lot of money. I would get a call. So it was, I mean, but we we would have, you know, they happen frequently. But so it was one of those calls and mm. I took the call and I was probably on the call for a good 10 minutes as I was huffing and puffing. Was it helpful in we're doing the marathon or was it a complete distraction? Um, or distraction? I, I mean, way? I would say it was a distraction for sure. I mean, I definitely nice. was not recommending take work, taking work calls on while you're on a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of, uh, was it David Goggins? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? He's always running and videoing himself. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe, who knows? Maybe that's you now. You're going to be the marathon. Uh, you're the marathon running CEO. Call me anytime, literally, when I'm running a marathon. <laughs> I, I do think it's cool to hear that level of commitment to the job. And even though it was probably a pain, literally, you were in pain, probably running the marathon and taking the call. It really, I mean, imagine that story, people are hearing it now and your team hearing it. And y'all, when I say going the extra mile and being all in and committed, this is what I'm talking about. Be willing to take the call during the marathon. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is so good. What, what is one of the most memorable security stories that you've had? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you just a funny story. So when I worked for Cognizant, I was in India and actually 
speaking of just doing whatever it takes, at one point when I worked at Cognizant, it was May of whatever year it was, and I had actually been in India more than I'd been in the United States. But I'm in India, and we have a breach, which means once that happens, you know you're not going to sleep for months, basically. I mean, it's around the clock, figuring out what happened. So so I had a tremendous director running the security operations center in India, and he was literally sleeping and sleeping there overnight as we were working this. So we work in long hours. I went back to the hotel. I'm like, I'm going to get a three-hour nap and then come back. And so I take the nap. I am dead set on. I will not miss a workout no matter what. So I'm like, I'm going to work out before I go back in. So I, so I get in my workout clothes, go to the gym at the hotel, and I'm working out. And I look in the – I'm like working out for a half hour into it. And, Ben, I look in the mirror, and my shorts are totally inside out. And so I saw myself, I took a picture and I sent it to the team and I said, everybody wants to work around the clock because we have a real issue and, and everybody wants to help. But this is a stark reminder to get some rest <laughs> because clearly me putting my clothes on back, you know, inside out is, yeah. is not quality. <laughs> yeah, great. Add some levity to the situation. And... uh Give them an example. Like, yeah, even though this is a major thing, are we making our problem better? Or are we making it worse? If we're totally yeah, I can't sleep, even sleep imagine. I wonder what the the people in the gym must have thought I was a, you know, crazy. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about that because you're, you know, you you have this security breach. Uh, you need to be getting rest, but yet you've got this commitment to health. What is this commitment you have? And maybe share some insights there with us. Yeah, I mean, it's really, honestly, it's not rocket science. It's it's just, it's discipline. So every morning I work out and I feel so much better. I treat people better. I have more energy and I just feel better. And so I do it every morning. I also travel in an RV around the country. I'm actually leaving as soon as this is over. I drive an RV around the country to meet with clients, candidates, and employees. And even there, I, I joined uh, Anytime Fitness, which is open 24-7. So, Ben, I will park in their parking lot, sleep there for the night, and work out in the morning. And then I also have bands and a TRX in the camper. Wow. And I will tell you, I've literally pulled off on the side of a – it wasn't a highway, but it was like 55 mile an hour. Pulled the camper over and worked out right on the side of the road. So <laughs> it's just like not making excuses, getting up in doing it. Hmm. Was this instilled in you when, when you were younger or did you kind of come to it on your own or? or, or well, no, yeah, I started it? younger and I, I just became addicted to it, but I always tell people, I feel bad for people that don't have it because it's the best drug in the world. I mean, it really is like, it gives you energy. And so and there's no excuse. Like I always, people that say I don't have time, I always say, what are you doing at three in the morning? Ooh. What true. are you doing? Yeah, when you marathon. say you don't have time to work out, what are you doing at three in the morning? Are you looking to increase sales, grow your brand, and share your leadership message? Then check out our business podcast program. Each week, more people listen to podcasts than have Netflix accounts, and one-third of the U.S. population listens to podcasts regularly. So, your customers and team are already listening to podcasts. It should be yours. 
Discover our five-step profitable podcast framework and what results you can expect for your company by setting up a 20-minute call with my team at benleads.com schedule. That's benleads.com schedule. All right. Talk to me about sleep versus working out. What do you mean? How are they correlated in your workout schedule? Because you've already told one story about three hours of sleep, getting a three hour, not even sleep, well, a nap, but getting up to work out, the clothes are turned inside out. How do you think about the recovery process and working out and working? So you've kind of got three things I'm thinking about. Working out, sleeping, performing at a high level in your business. How are you balancing all those? Yeah, so sleep has always been a challenge for me. I'm very much type A. Uh, turning my brain off is the hardest part for me. Yeah, um, I, I can relate. Yes, and I tend to be a workaholic. So what I try to do, I try, and I fail occasionally, frequently, mm -hmm. is 9 o'clock on, turn everything off. And I used to really stress about the length of like how many hours I sleep. But the, the recent research is more, it's, it's more important to get less sleep, better quality than more mm -hmm. sleep. So mm -hmm. I track REM sleep, deep sleep. I'm, I track that in great detail. And I can always tell based on things, if I eat a lot late, I don't sleep as well, your heart rate's elevated. So I'm, I'm very into, and also I have an app called Athletic that tracks, I try to go to bed at the exact same time, basically every night and keep that consistent. Do you use Aura Ring or how do you, how are you tracking your sleep? Uh, Apple Watch. Apple Watch. Okay, Apple Watch. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You can see how much your your sleep is disrupted and you may not even know, right? It'll like a restless, like, like what's the depth of sleep you're getting? You know, getting that REM sleep's huge. Yes, and then I've got in the app, I can tag like, did I have caffeine late in the day? Uh, you know, I can ah. tag different things. So I know those things, did it improve or make my sleep worse? So you have an Apple Watch, but you use the Athletic app to do the Correct. tracking for you. Okay. Yeah, let me, let me make sure I'm telling you the exact name um, of it. But yes, it's called, well, I can't see it on here. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's like Athletic, I think okay. the name of it. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. We'll take a look at it. I'm always interested in that. I've tried different ones. Some seem to be more accurate than others, but definitely the more recent versions of the Apple Watch I hear give you a lot better readings on the sleep. Yes, it's a lot better. I actually went to Garmin and I I do love Garmin has so they have great metrics on fitness, but mm -hmm. I like the Apple Watch better just for everyday work, like to, the overall functionality. You know, I, I can't let it get too far without understanding we're up about this camper. Why in the world, like you're you're an executive, why aren't you flying around? And why are you driving a camper? And why are you camping in your client's parking lots? Well, no, that's a great question. So I would say <laughs> first and foremost, obviously we've only been around for a, a year and a half, right? So guess what I just did last week? I gave our employees a bonus, a nice bonus. Well, if I was flying around in a jet, and staying in nice hotels, would I have been able to give that bonus? Mm. I don't know. Mm. So that's number one. Number two is I really feel like in today's world, like 
I grind. I will not rest. And so I literally drive around the country and I drive to people. I ask them, you tell me where and I will be there. And I drive around and in the, the, the camper gives me the ability to sleep basically anywhere. I spend the night at Walmart all the time, Cracker Barrel. But then also when people contact me after I've messaged them, some of them won't respond for three, four, five days after. The camper allows me to just take a left turn if they say, hey, and I go and I meet them in person. And in today's world, meeting people in person is almost innovative. It is. You're like, and, you're, and you're like, by the way, I'm going to be in your parking lot. Is it okay if I stay there overnight? They'll be like, what? <laughs> so do you, do you find yourself getting more FaceTime with clients because you show up in the camper because you're willing to stay there? And you, I, guess, I guess you also have like a mobile, mobile office operation. So you can run headquarters from anywhere. Is that the idea? Yeah, I've got Starlink on top. I've also got a cell booster. I mean, I'm fully, wow. fully connected. But That's yeah, cool. I think people just appreciate the, you know, I'll come to you. You tell me when and where, and I'll be there. And I think people, people really appreciate the effort and just the in-person meeting. What's your longest road trip for a business meeting so far? Uh, I was in the camper for about three and a half months. Um, for So I drove from Florida, the whole country. I drove oh. from Florida, you know, through uh, New Orleans, Texas, the, the bottom of California up to RSA, which is like the biggest cybersecurity conference of the year. And then I took a week and went to Yellowstone, but then I came all the way across St. Louis. You know, I did the whole country. So I, I was in there oh. for a long time and uh, oh it gosh, was like 30,000 yeah. miles. Wow. The CEO with a mobile headquarters, going driving the country, willing to go see anybody anywhere and also having a little fun. Absolutely. In the process and working out. The, the uh, other thing, Ben, I'll tell you that the van or the camper, it's 25 foot. So it's not big, which is nice because I can park it in a lot of places. Yeah, yeah. But I've also, the thing I really like is when you're at a desk and email, it's like the tactical. When I am driving, the strategic mindset, you, I think about so many things because I'm just driving. It's almost like when I'm running. You know, not not a trail race because you got to pay attention. You're not going to step on a rock. But when you're running on pavement, you know, you're just kind of an auto run and you have the greatest ideas because I think because you have more blood flowing through your brain, you know, your, your body. But I find when I'm driving, like I think of a lot of mm. I just think about work, but I'm not in email. I'm not, you know, doing the tactical day to day things. You're the first out of hundreds of interviews. You're the first CEO who's running his multi-million dollar company out of a camper that, I, that I've talked to. <laughs> um, yeah. Like you see, like, you know, you might expect someone's running, running like a nomadic business where they're like blogging or they're, you know, trading cars and whatnot. But you're running like a legit business operation. Not that the others aren't legit, but you're running like a corporate situation. At your camper. And so maybe yeah, more people need to travel. fascinated by it, Ben. I get messages all the time. I think a lot of people, they see it and they they think to themselves, I could do that too. So I think I think it's it's kind of opened the eyes up to some people to think maybe I should try that. I can see this coming down the road for a lot of people. Yes. You know, CEOs and campers. <laughs> 
<laughs> what a, how cool. So what's the worst leadership advice that you've ever heard? Yeah. Um, at one point in my career, I was asked to, in my opinion, micromanage the team. And so I read a really good book called Turn the Ship Around. Mm. And I love this. And I want to share it with the audience because I think it's so impactful, but it's so easy. So it's something I, I call the I intend to model. So with my team, once I hire the right people and I trust them, I don't want them to ask me a question. I don't mind, obviously, but I want to develop other leaders. So instead of saying, hey, Casey, you know, what should we do here? They will send me an email, and this is happening at Covenant. I intend to do X, Y, Z. And then they articulate, you know, I tell them, think of what I might want to know. And then I tell them, if I don't respond, do it. Now, don't launch a nuclear weapon without me saying yes. They're smart enough. But, but so what happens is there's 1,440 minutes in a day. I do not want to respond to every email. I read every email. So they send that. I see it. I don't respond. They go and take action. And now not only are we getting more done because I'm not a bottleneck, but I am developing other leaders. They are thinking like me. Yeah. They're aligned. Yes. So you're aligned to your thought process. Yes. It allows you to go faster. It allows you to go faster, then to go faster. So many mistakes are just by people just waiting around. They forget what they were going to ask. Another sort of switch on that I've heard is um, unless I hear differently. So like when you're emailing, so this, you probably wouldn't do this with your boss as much, but maybe other people in your organization, you put in here, unless I hear differently, I'm going to do this by Friday afternoon. And if they don't respond, okay. Exactly. A little more proactive on that front too. Um, I think either, I think either one can work. And I, I really like that. And I think leaders can save time and frustration. I think the key in that would be, I'm curious how you manage it. You need to define what the nuclear launch would be where they wouldn't do that. So what's, you know, how do you talk to them about when do you not use this? Well, and that's not defined, right? I mean, but but if you hire the right people, mm-hmm. and you don't just do this right off the bat with somebody new, but once you trust them, you trust that they will, if it's something huge, they're going to call you, right? And I've had no problems with that. The other thing I really like about the model, you can implement it in five minutes. Like it, <laughs> yeah. it's easy. And, it, and the thing is most leaders, myself included, it feels good to be the answer guy. Like you're coming to me and I provide the answer. And so I, I, I was reading some book years ago where they said, go to dinner, give up control and have the waiter or waitress order for you. Like, so just trying to let go and let them lead the way. Nice. Try it at dinner. What a, what a great hack. Yeah. And we're not talking about the chef's thing that's already pre-established. Like go to a restaurant where you're not expecting to do that and just say, make it happen. Exactly. Of course, they're probably going to pick the most expensive thing on the menu or maybe put the maybe put the, the constraints around that. Don't make it the most expensive thing on the menu. <laughs> uh, perhaps. There you go. What's the one trait you wish you could instill in every employee and why you think it's important? Extreme focus. Hmm. So um, I, I see it all the time. I time block. 
And when I time block, nobody or nothing is going to stop what I've blocked for that hour. So there's a great, great book called The One Thing. Mm. And basically, it's just a mm. mindset. And this is how I literally operate all day. Even if I'm taking a shower, I'm like, okay, I'm taking a shower and nobody's going to, I don't care what else happens. So, but, but I have desired outcomes, right? So in the next hour, the next day, the yep. next week, the next month, what is most important to get done? And while I'm in that hour, I make sure I deliver whatever I said needs to be delivered. So I see people let other, like, I know what my priorities are. I see so many people that get interrupted by others to help mm-hmm. them with their priorities. Yeah. And they don't stick to theirs. Yeah. I think that's, it's so simple yet. I would say a very small percentage of people have the discipline to maintain that extreme focus on the priority and also even reversing it. And that, and that the one thing I think I'll have to look it up, but I think it's, is it Gary Keller? He wrote that, or um, I can't uh, remember. Who I don't wrote even it. remember the name, honestly. But, ben. but it's a the one thing. It's like, what is the one thing? Do that. Most people aren't sure really what that one thing is they want to do in that time block, uh, and that's a, a lot of people make the mistake of, hey, I've created a time block, but I haven't proactively identified what I want to put in it, and so they end up putting other people's priorities in that or they just squash it because they didn't have anything in there really to begin with. So you need to set the time block to set the time block, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And one of my favorite, favorite quotes is from Tony Robbins, which, you know, he says winners take imperfect action and losers are still perfecting the plan. Action is the most important key to success. And I could not agree more. Yeah. I love that. Tony is a man of action, no doubt. And I love, I mean, with that kind of energy, have you been to a lot of Tony Robbins events? I've never been to one, but. I've been you, to one and I want okay. to go back because you leave, you're super excited and then you fall back into some of your bad habits, but it was amazing. It was, I, I highly recommend it. When's the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career and had it lead your success or growth on down the road? Yeah, so. Probably when I just left law enforcement and went into the corporate world, you know, I left, I went into physical security, like I said, from law enforcement to physical security. Then I went into IT security mm-hmm. and, and then now I'm launching a business. So, and I guess one other thing along the way, I obviously listen to people and I talk to great leaders all the time, but intuition, I don't necessarily listen and take other people's advice. I have a strong sense of where we should head. And I listen to and ask a lot of people a lot of things. But at the end of the day, you know, listening to yourself and going with that intuition. Yeah, I like the twist. Yeah, this, I guess this interview has been full of twists that you've taken in your career or had in your career and how you've really, you know, used it in such positive ways to build businesses, to build positions, address. Uh, situations. And I like your point about intuition. I remember I heard a a quote from Simon Sinek, who's worked with a lot of military leaders. He wrote a book called Leaders Eat Last. I don't know if you've checked that book out. Okay, really good book. Well, so he was being asked about it. They're like, well, how did you, you know, deal with all these, you know, talking to these generals and whatnot, they have these huge egos, and they won't listen to anybody. And he's like, no, 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 
the problem, he's like, he's like, yes, all these generals and all the people I talk to all do have huge egos, but the difference is they listen. Right. When you walk through the door, they listen. And um, anyway, it goes back to that. When you when with, you can be a confident leader, but the intuitive piece of that does come from listening to others, listening to the world around you, taking it as feedback. I could not agree. When you asked about what's the, when I said focus was the advice I would give, listening would be two. I always tell the team, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you talk. <laughs> But listen with your heart, like truly listen. You you see people all the time. Somebody's talking and they're they're like, you know, they're trying to talk before the person even finishes. So mm. so I think, you know, influencing by listening is such an underutilized skill. And it really there's a good book called 25 Ways to Win with People. And this is so mm. true, myself included. Everybody wants to talk about themselves. The book says if you listen to them, they'll love you. So I've taken that advice. And when you just talk to people about themselves and really listen to them, they love you. Yeah. Yeah. They want to feel heard and you might be the only person in their life. Even if you're acquaintance, that actually listens to them. I mean, it's amazing when, um, you know, I do some training around, you know, active listening and influence. And we always talk about the listening piece and we'll do like a simple exercise where someone's explaining their problem to, to like, like in a breakout session and they'll be communicating. And the other person's only job is to just listen and clarify, not solve the problem. And consistently, someone ends up in tears and they're like, you know what? Like, I've never been heard, never really felt heard. It's one thing to be heard, but to feel heard is, is really a powerful thing. And it's a it's a skill that every single human being can uh, can offer to somebody. Absolutely, <laughs> that and the other thing is just sincere appreciation. Like <laughs> it's free. Most you know, so many leaders think money motivates, and I'm not saying it doesn't. But taking the time to write a sincere thank you <laughs> is free. It's it's free, <laughs> but it and motivates. They'll remember it a lot longer. Yes, yes. You know, a bonus feels good. And I'll never, I mean, who doesn't want a bonus? But sure. I mean, come on, man. Two years from now, three years from now, they may still be holding on to that thank you note. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Well, and that's another thing. I, I, So the 25 ways to win with people, sorry, I know I keep adding things, but good, it's good. the power of a handwritten note. So when I travel, like my employees, I will write notes to them on the way. And when they come in, they have a handwritten note, not just an email. Hmm. Casey, let's let's wrap on that. Um, we could keep going. I've got a lot more questions we didn't get to, but I think that's a good one to end on. Really making your number one being appreciative as a leader, but also going the extra mile to making it personal that with, with a handwritten note. Thanks for coming on the show today, my friend. Ben, thanks a million. Have a good day. Would you or your CEO be a good fit for this podcast? If you know a uniquely talented leader who has a story to share and a message to deliver, then we'd love to host them on the show. Go to benleads.com slash apply to fill out a quick form where you can let us know a little bit about yourself and my team will take a look to see if we're a good fit. 
That's benleads.com slash apply. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.